What is up, everyone? Chris Manning here from the Locked on Cavs podcast. Today's episode is all about Malachi Branham, the Ohio State guard. We recorded this before he was supposed to regard for the team and then didn't due to injury, but he's still a very much in-play prospect at 14 for Cleveland. So this is all about Branham, all about someone that could make a lot of sense for the Cavs, also some risk, also maybe someone that you can't expect to contribute from day one. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard on the way in, at least in audio form, is from our friends at Astro Radio. Check them out wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by a new sponsor, Arcade One Up. Bring home a slam dunk. NBA Jam Shack Edition from Arcade One Up. Pre-order now to play with legends. Arcade One Up is the place for authentic gaming experiences featuring licensed retro games from the golden age of arcades. What you're going to hear in this episode is myself and Evan Damerel the co-host of the show, talking about Malachi Branham. Hope you enjoy. Evan, let's just get into the episode. Malachi mm-hmm. Branham, going to work out for the Cavs. Certainly, depending on what mock drafts you look at, you will see him anywhere from like 14 to in the 20s. A uh, friend of the program, Raphael Barlow, has him, I believe, at 22 right now, going to the Memphis Grizzlies. ESPN hat, and Jonathan Gavoni's mock has him going to the Cleveland Cavaliers at 14. He is one of the many prospects I think Cleveland will consider at 14. My opening statement on this is not so much about him, and it's more about draft season. I'm going to call this the Obi Toppin um, theorem. Cab smoke. Yeah, like, look, this is lying season. Teams don't have an obligation to tell the truth. Agents don't have an obligation to tell you the truth. What you get right now is a very specific version of the story, and we'll find out more after the fact. And some of this, you'll just never really find out the full truth because whatever. Unless it's I, Steph Curry in the Knicks. I mean, look, yeah, but this stuff is has some value. I don't put a ton of weight into like whatever, but I just look at this and say he's it's he's certainly in consideration. I just probably do not think this is necessarily like an indication he the the fact I, there, there's a lot about him beginning a work that is interesting but it is not like oh man they're locking in on him at 14 because you can't lock yeah. it when you don't have when you have the 14th overall pick yeah if that were the case i think the cash should maybe look at other prospects because he did work out for the new york knicks we're recording this on monday so let's say the knicks fall in love with him then the Cavs are kind of sol the guy they want the most is picked at 12 versus being available at 14 but I liked Raphael's like mock slash big board with him going to the Grizzlies. I think Branham would do well in Memphis just because he needs a little bit of a runway to develop and grow and flourish. And I know friend of the pod, Bill DiFilippo, um, is a fan of Branham going to the Cavs. But Chris, how do you feel about it? Like we've talked about him in the past. We've kind of did at least a segment on him. We've kind of danced around the subject a little bit, especially when we were talking about Dyson Daniels with Bill. Like what? Well, how do you feel overall, just Branham as a prospect, and then we can kind of maybe dive into his fit with the Cavs. He's fine. I think there are guys I'm more stylistically um, intrigued by as we're kind of looking at how basketball basketball is kind of going and how teams are succeeding when you get deep into the playoffs than Branham. 
I think he is interesting in the sense that like he provides a skill that I think teams need if it kind of works out for him. Obviously, no guarantee it's going to kind of work out. You know, obviously he had a really uh, he had a you know he he was reluctant to shoot threes in college, but he's over forty percent. He's got a mid range pull up game, which like there's some value in that. He had a really productive season last year. The six four frame with a six ten wingspan is interesting. He's nineteen, so there's definitely some you know, probably some growth still to come in terms of his, his frame and everything like that. You know, if the late part of his Ohio state season where he really was more efficient is an indicator of where this is going, he's a much more intriguing prospect. Is that a lock? I don't know. I I'm intrigued. I have some questions. What do you think? I I'm intrigued as well. I think you saying he's fine is a good way to put it. Like, yes, there's the intrigue and the upside there. Just there's the physical stuff. Like you mentioned, there's the fact that, Towards the end of the season with the Buckeyes, you started to see a little bit more flashes and kind of see him climb from a guy many thought would return to Columbus to play his sophomore season for Ohio State and continue to grow and season in that ecosystem to being a possible first-round prospect to due to just his measurements at the Combine and just his physical attributes altogether and just how the fact he's just interviewing really well teams at the Combine showing just a little bit of maturity for his age, which I think is a little overblown depending on who the prospect is. Like you could have a Dion Waiter situation or a Michael Porter Jr. situation with his conspiracies. But at the same time, like if you, these are also grown adults. Like if you don't fit in, like you'll be phased out pretty quickly if you don't grow up and kind of check yourself at the door. But I think Branham kind of ascending a little bit towards the end of the season and riding that momentum to, kind of being a lottery lock it feels like like i feel comfortable in saying like he will probably be like the highest he'd probably be considered is 10 to 12 in that range and then from there on down so maybe not a lottery lock per se but mid first round at least i think that's kind of his sweet spot at this point and like you said he's fine as a prospect there's some intrigue there's some Stuff that makes sense if you're the Cavaliers or just any team, just the way the NBA's head. And if you like look at the team like the Warriors who have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole is just kind of like their staple guard rotation. And then they have like specialists at the guard spot like Gary Payton as well, who just really lock things down for Golden State and make things easier for them. Like I think having a little bit of that perimeter depth. You look at a team like Boston as well. Like, yes, they got shellacked in game two, but there's a reason why they got to the finals. There's a reason why they were able to run with a more battle-tested heat team is they have an overabundance of depth on the perimeter to kind of counter and also just size as well. So maybe the Cavs are taking that route too. But Brandon makes sense for teams, but you just need to be patient, I think, because you're gambling on that potential, even if he has a kind of safe cookie cutter package coming out of Ohio State and heading into the NBA. Yeah, I, I think if what he is as a scorer, like a guy that is really efficient, is going to make threes, is going to provide you like a fully spaced out creator on the wing and like not like a lead creator but a secondary guy a guy that's going to space off of garland and, and what else they're doing i think that guy is really interesting i think that the six and wingspan being a little bit longer as a guy that can, can do some stuff in that range if he can improve on defense and like he's not going to play under jb bickerstaff unless he's at least competitive on defense right like he doesn't need to be all yeah. world but like he needs to be at least trying on that end of the floor that's intriguing 
I think that's that's how Jetty Osmond found himself in the doghouse. Well, yes, specifically two years ago when he just was. I remember the photo of him in Sacramento just looking very sad. And it's like, well, buddy, not playing any defense. That's that's Uh not going to work here. I I don't suspect this is a we'll get in this, I think, in this show and in tomorrow's show. We talk more about wings and guards, but I don't necessarily believe this is someone you're planning on impacting from day one. I would kind of be curious to see how you would kind of turn that dial and, and bring him along. But you can see how this would make some sense if the uh, if even if it is like a more contained version of what you saw at Ohio State, like he's not going to be the hub and everything. Like his role is going to be in a, on a, a step down from the the usage he was demanding at Ohio State. This is a guy, and like he's a guy as I've gone through the draft process, just because of the late season stuff and how it looks and the way you could see him functioning as an off ball guard. It's the kind of guy that you kind of do get more intrigued by and you can't talk yourself into. And like if you told me if you told me you believe he has more upside than like someone like Abaji, that's obviously true. If you told me he had more upside than some of the other wings in this range, like a Johnny Davis or something, like I don't feel that's like crazy. And like I'm intrigued. I'm not like sold that he's like absolutely the guy at 14. Yeah, I'm not with, your I'm not with yeah. the name. I'm not I'm not enamored with the idea of Malachi Brand, especially through the lens of just like a Cleveland Cavaliers podcast host. But I understand, like you said, the intrigue if you maybe rank him over John, Wisconsin's Johnny Davis or Kansas's Ochai Abaji, just because Branham has the benefit of being one of the younger players, the youngest player in that trio of players that mm-hmm. we're talking about right now. Yeah, and like the shooting stuff, if that's if if he can turn that three point dial, and he can the three point shooting from college translates, and you get some of the mid range stuff and and whatever, that's like an intriguing profile of a player. Like he mentioned at at the combine, like Karis LeVert, interestingly. Maybe was a guy he, he modeled his game after. If he's like a more modern, spaced out version of Karis LeVert, like that's a useful player. Like I think Karis LeVert, for all of his warts, like is a guy that can play in the league. Obviously, like there's a reason he's making the money. He is like that's a solid career. There's you can a reason why the Cavs gave up a first round pick. Yeah, for him. There, there's a reason he's making like what is it, like 18 million dollars next year. Like yeah. you can have a nice career if you're Karis LeVert in the NBA. People will dog on you at times or whatever, but like that's like not a. Like people like are like you want superstars, you want all the stuff. Like some of these guys will just end up being kind of solid guys that have to be in the right circumstances to really win. And like if Brandon's that kind of guy, but it's this kind of skill set, you can see how that makes sense with Mobley, with Allen, with Garland. All right, after the break, Evan, let's get into some more specifics about Brandon. I think specifically, let's talk about um, him as a guy that you would maybe how you feel like he complement what Cleveland has on the roster. Otherwise. Mm-hmm. I'm going talk here in a second, but first I'm going to tell you about a, a sponsor, Arcade One Up. Boom shakalaka. We have big news. The one, the only NBA Jam is back. Arcade One Up, the leader in at-home retro arcade games, is not only bringing the best game ever back, but they've made it bigger than ever with a wait-for-it Shaq edition machine. People are rightfully obsessed with NBA Jam, and I'm thrilled to tell our listeners that you can once again play hoops, when the NBA legends in this arcade classic jump clear across the court and set the ball on fire in one of the first sports games to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, and no quarters required. Compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. Pre-order now at arcade1up.com. That's arcade, the number one, up.com for an estimated early September ship date. Arcade 1up is the place. They've got even more classics like Golden Tea, 
Mortal Kombat, and many others starting at just $399. Check this out. And they're they're giving away, yes, giving away an NBA Jam Shack edition to a lockdown listener. So enter for a chance to win a game console for your man caver or a woman caver person cave at arcade1up.com slash lockdown. That's arcade, the number one up.com slash lockdown. You've got until July 8th to enter to win NBA Jam Shack edition console. Don't miss out. Enter today. Who are you going to play with? I remind you to check out the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft, which starts June 16th. With over 50 insiders, nothing equals the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft, the Locked NBA Big Board Draft Experts, plus the Odyssey Insiders. First pick is June 16th, and search the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. All right, so with Malachi Branham. Yes. I think there's only three guys that are really worth discussing in terms of how he fits, and I really only think two of them are really worth discussion. Like, I look at um, Jared Allen. It's like Jared Allen's just going to fit. Like, that's just what he does. Like, he's going to be Jared Allen, and, like, you can kind of plop it in pretty much anywhere. Overlap on the floor between Branham and Jared Allen. Well, it's not even that. It's just, like, I just think Jared Allen, like, kind of is always just going to do Jared Allen shit, and, like, I'm not worried about Max Max. Like, I'm not – I just think that's going to take care of itself. But how do you feel about Branham with Mobley and with Garland, I think, are the two questions you're asking here. So, Evan, who would you like to start with as we talk about those two specifically? Well, I was surprised you were going to go with those two. I, I had um, Darius Garland in mind for sure, but I thought maybe Colin Sexton would be someone Sex- we discuss as well. Sexton, dep- if, if he comes back on an extension, I think it seems like we're that is more likely than not. I, I think it just depends on what that looks like and if that's a true reality. I also just think that the hierarchy on this team is very clearly Garland, Mobley, and then Allen, and then like everyone else can kind of like figure it out. Yeah, of course. So when it comes to Brandon, we were talking about it a little bit in the first segment. And I like that fit with Memphis because there's not necessarily pressure for him to perform and there's not an expectation for him to perform, but you allow him the time and you can afford him the time to kind of season, grow, and develop, and just find his legs in the NBA, maybe see if that three-point shot of his is a little more sustainable now, or if it still needs a little bit more fine-tuning. I look like Colin Sexton in his rookie season. Maybe not that insane of a trajectory like Sexton had his rookie year in terms of three-point shooting, but there may be a similar arc to that. But mm. I think if we wanted to break it down, I Darius Garland's the big one, because I know Karis LeVert is kind of earmarked as our third segment discussion point, but you talk about how Karis LeVert, like the Cavs spent a first round pick to get him. Like he's making 18 million for a reason. Like Branham could fit that similar like archetype for the Cavs. And if they get some offensive pressure relief on Garland, just to kind of keep the defenses honest and keep him from getting flummoxed and maybe just overwhelmed, especially late in the season, like that's hugely beneficial. And I think that's like one of the more appealing aspects of Branham. If you believe in that, like, long-term growth and potential all while he's on a cost controlled deal for the next several years. Yeah. I, I think if he develops the way you hope, and that's not something that is it, I think like Brandon with Garland makes so much sense. It does. Like it's the same idea you had when you brought Karis LeVert in, but a guy who can space. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But whose space is a little bit better and isn't as injury prone. If Branham can space that helps all of this you know like like it's like kind of that way with like every Cavs prospect we talk about and like a lot of guys on the roster like I think about Okoro if he's ever going to figure out how to shoot in a in a meaningful way if Sexton's going to turn that volume up in a meaningful way and how, and how that would affect him I just like look at Brandon and it's like if the shooting stuff is real it just makes some of these fit so much 
cleaner in a way that yeah. matters. Um, Cause it's like, even if he ends up being a guy that like, doesn't have like the tightest handle or like, isn't going to lead your offense. It's like Garland's going to take kind of wipe away some of those concerns. Sexton could even wipe away some of those concerns. If he can kind of hang defensively like that, that'll matter here too. The, the Mobley thing is interesting because I think Mobley is just kind of a, is going to be able to be a guy that molds to a lot of different guys. And it's almost to me that the question is like, is a guy like Branham, the kind of thing you want to like allow Mobley to cover for? And I think there's a clear argument for it. If, if, if Branham kind of pans out. No, I agree with that. And I also think the spacing aspect also really comes into play with Mobley too, because you want him to, you want him as an Evan Mobley to be, obviously more comfortable shooting threes and taking them in actual game moments instead of just like on a one-on-zero situation or just like through walkthroughs and et cetera and et cetera. And even if he's not fully comfortable or just there yet necessarily, having a guy who provides spacing in Branham, even if it's just immediately and also just a year or two from now as well, because clearly Mobley's like your best player long-term, he is your guy. Like he makes a lot of sense and he also relieves a lot of, defensive pressure as well on him because if you want Mobley just kind of banging down low if you want him playing five and small sets and things like that and you can kind of force defenses to not pack the paint against him and let him get easy looks so he's able to expend more energy on defense like that's a huge win if you're the Cavs and like that just makes things a lot easier and I I look at Brandon in the lens especially if you're Cleveland um we talked about this a little bit like connective pieces like he would be someone I would consider a connector piece possibly this season, depending on maybe just where he's at as a player entering his rookie season. But I feel more comfortable seeing that a season or two from now where he understands an NBA, what it takes to be an NBA player. And also is just in Cleveland strength and conditioning program, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, and learns his and hones his craft. So he could be a connector piece, like you said, and just kind of like you also said, unlocks a lot of things for this Cavs team and just, for Garland and for Mobley and for Allen as well, just because the Cavs desperately need shooting. They're one of the worst shooting teams in the league last season, at least not, not the absolute worst, but they were below league average in terms of shooting last season. So any way to increase that or make it more palatable for yourself on offense to keep you in certain games, maybe when there's just teams that are going to run a clinic on you on offense can really help you long-term, obviously. I don't have any expectations for year one in this. Oh, neither do I, but I'll give, I'll give myself the out of if he, let's say Jetty Osmond's either traded or if God forbid he's still on this roster, he soaks up those eighth, ninth man minutes in the rotation and gets spot minutes. Maybe sometimes if he's hot, JB plays a little more six to the hot hand, but has a shorter leash just because he's a little raw and unrefined as a prospect. So I'll give myself the out on that and sorry everyone for my dryer going off. I wonder if he I mean, if you just ignore it, we don't have to talk about it. That's how it works. Um, I, I'm that way, Chuck. I'm built I, different, as the kids would say. Okay. Um, I tend to just like think if he's playing like spot minutes for you as a rookie, and you can see something that kind of lead you there, and you can like f- like help him grow into what you hope he can be, and like you, the work is not going to. I, I think if Brandon works it's probably not apparent you're one. No, it's maybe more apparent and people can get mad at us, but I don't care. I know Chris will agree with me. If the Cavs just put him with the charge 
imagine imagine my a certain a certain finger is up and this is how i feel about people's like you can really get a glimpse of that potential in a controlled environment where he's allowed to make mistakes and grow because the Cavs have invested in him financially and spent the draft pick on him long term and there's way less pressure if you're a playoff team like cleveland who is looking to make tangible upgrades to kind of get you there now you don't have to rely so much on a rookie and the expectation is almost next to none because he's just spending his time with the charge, which is again, nothing's wrong with that. If you're like the stigma associated with that's never shouldn't be existing at this point, but like if Brandon ended up in Cleveland and he wanted him to grow and develop an environment and give him as many minutes on the floor as possible, set him with the charge and keep him down here as long as you can. Yeah. Like if he pops in summer league 2023, cool. Great. And that, again, if, folks, if, we talked about looks, this a lot. Yeah. Like, if a lot of players historically, in at least the last few years, who were drafted 14, take a year or two or three to properly develop and find their legs in the league because there's something there that they need to like improve and fix to take them to the next level. Yeah. Also, rookies usually aren't good. Nope. Get that Evan in your Mobley. brain. Evan Mobley, Kyrie but, Irving, and LeBron James kind of skew that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Rookies are mostly bad. They're mostly pretty bad. That's just how this works because they're young and they're adjusting to a league of grown men who will kick their ass in an 82-game season. All right, after the break, we're going to talk about Karis LeVert because I, I think this is a question about LeVert and Branham that has some meat to it. It's like, are they redundant? One last ad read today, and that's from our friends at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You know, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket, so take advantage. Save time and money using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Evan, my co-host here, saved a ton of money two summers ago when his AC and his car went out. He went to Rock Auto, got the part there, saved a couple hundred bucks. That could be you if you're in a similar situation this summer as the weather gets warmer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about this box so they know that we sent you? That's important. Please do that. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, Karis LeVert, last year of his contract. Correct. If Branham works out and they also resign Sexton, what those guys all kind of do opposite Darius Garland feels a little crowded to me. But does. I look at next year, and I don't feel good about this from LeVert's perspective because I can understand him being annoyed about this because I this is like y'all got to just take care of yourself and you worry about the rest later. If you draft Branham, I don't think right. if you're the cast. I was thinking about him, Ryan Tannehilling the situation. That's why I was chuckling to myself. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, 
I don't think it behooves the Cavs to just like go move Laverta if just for the sake of moving him because you dropped the Brandon. If you find a trade that you may be already looking for where Lavert's salary allows you to make a, a, a something that you feel like upgrades your team, then you do it. He's not good enough, wasn't good enough last year for you to stop yourself from doing that. That's 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 yep. very clear. But it does like make you look at Levert and say, okay, this is a guy we're maybe using this year. We're going to run out this contract, maybe trade him at the deadline, whatever. Trade him in the offseason to, to fill this needs. We'll fill the minutes in other ways, especially, again, if they re-sign Colin Sexton. Branham is a guy that is like a functional Levert placement in a year or two. Of course, Levert is yep. good. He's he's like an NBA player right now. And like I, you, Branham could be good. He could also end up not being good. That's the risk of the draft. Yeah. It's a very. I'm just obviously breaking new ground here by saying the draft is hard. No, you are breaking new ground. You are like the new Star Wars trilogy and everything else. But um, I mean, shout out Obi Wan though, banger. Great show so far. This is a certified Star Wars hater. I really like it. Um, you can have the same thought process when it comes to EJ Liddell, uh, Brandon's teammate. Like if you're looking at Kevin Love, he's not in the last year of his contract. Maybe Kevin Love just has so much mileage on his body and you let him stay with the roster on a cheaper deal, but you let a guy like Liddell maybe season a little bit, whether it's with a charge or at the back end of your rotation and kind of take over those primary backup four minutes behind Evan Mobley and possibly Larry Marketing as well, if he's still here in the Formula 2. But yeah, I agree with that. I don't think... If, even if you drafted Brandon, let's say the Cavs take him at 14 and wouldn't be shocked if he was, it's been kind of linked to, they've been kind of linked to one another for a little bit now, but it wouldn't say the Cavs like, okay, now that Karis Levert, or we have Malachi Branham and he's cost controlled. He kind of provides what Karis Levert could, or he could kind of provide us what Karis Levert gives us now. And then maybe more in the future as well. Yeah, if you're free the Cavs, you're not in a rush to move him. You maybe you get, like I said, you give Levert the benefit of the doubt of getting healthy this offseason, getting acclimated in training camp, playing either as a starter or a bench player, depending on just where Colin Sexton's at recovery wise, and also just how Cleveland wants to play overall next season. Um, and you have the luxury of letting Bram just season, whether it's at the charge or just in practice, and just kind of let him grow and develop. But it definitely makes him more expendable, I'd say. And mm-hmm. like, I know it was reported by Woj and others that uh, Lavert was open to signing an extension oh. almost immediately with the Cavs. Which... I, I I also would like to get money guaranteed to me. Lots of money guaranteed to me. I oh, I also sure, I also would like to leverage that. Is, is all. I would so say. obviously, maybe it puts a little bit of onus on Karis Lavert to perform a little tighter. Obviously, he can't control health, and a player with a history of foot injuries getting hurt, a foot injury this year shouldn't surprise many. But um, again, like I said, it makes him more expendable if you're the Cavs, and like you said, there's a reason why he's getting paid what he's got is getting paid currently. There's a reason why. He, the Cavs gave up a first round pick to acquire him. Like, I think there are always going to be teams who are intrigued by players like Karis LeVert because he is a bigger two, three that can provide some defense some playmaking, some scoring in a different myriad of ways and just kind of be that maybe piece that doesn't necessarily push you over the edge like completely, but certainly helps your cause if you come playoff time, if you need somebody like that, just getting you buckets off the bench or in the starting lineup or something like that. So the Cavs could probably move him. And yeah. now that he's on an expiring contract, it makes it a lot easier too. Cause you, if you're the Cavs, you can maybe go name hunting with that a little bit too. But like you said, like acquiring Branham doesn't muddy things right now, but 
the overall fit between those two on the floor would be tough this season if the Cavs refuse to send Branham down to the charge. Um, and if I were Cleveland, if Levert's still on the roster, maybe you're trying to showcase it a bit more, and that's why you just don't really play Branham at all, and you don't do that weird, like, we won't apologize for 48 elite minutes of swingman play or something like that. I I would, would be an incredible self-parody moment. Evan, let's end on this. Would you be comfortable if... Let's just say, if you're the Cavs, would you be comfortable taking Levert in his last year and just running that out, use this year as like a as like a red shirt year sort for Brandon, and you just run Levert out for the whole year, don't plan on trading him, just plan on maximizing what you get of him for this one year, and then turning the keys over to Brandon. With that setup and not really trying to flip Levert to recoup some of the value that you traded to get him in the first place, would you be comfortable with that, that kind of function of, of where Levert is at in terms of his contract age, all of that? It, it, it really ultimately depends on where he's at. Like early in the season, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, like 25, 30 games into the season. But if we see more of the same, I'd say, okay, we can probably hit eject in this situation. But if you're able to maximize what you got in your return for him, and then you just let him walk in free agency after that point, I say, why not? And then you just hand the keys to Branham to say, okay, we let you season for a year. Now we're going to let you actually play like legitimate minutes, either starting next to Darius Garland or behind Colin Sexton if he happens to still be here. And yeah, I, I'm pretty care- comfortable with that scenario. But again, it just depends on where Levert is at when the season starts. If you're all... It, depending on how all in on winning as many games as possible this year and what the trade market obviously plays part in this too. Yes. And like, if you could get something in exchange for Karis, like I would, you know, you'd probably think about that. Obviously, I think if you, if you, depending on what you feel about the trade market and then what you feel like this team needs, if you run it out with them fully, I couldn't really blame the cast for doing that. If I'm being honest, like I, I would oh. get it. If you're saying like, Hey, Let's just try to win a bunch of games. Like we are the first round pick is already gone. You know, yeah, we're not, if we don't love, we don't want to take on future money or whatever. Going to convey to Indiana this upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, like if everything goes to plan, that pick is conveying. And if yeah. Karis Levert helps you make like a second round playoff run, and then you say, okay, like we we're just going to turn the page here. I would kind of be intrigued to see what that looks like. And I would, Same. that would be such a deep trusting of player development in a way that I think would be really interesting. And if they did that as a test case, if like Brandon is sort of like, we view him in that regard. And like, we don't really see the work in, in the way that it would pop in the NBA. Even if we like cover some charge games and see what those look like and whatever, we don't see what it looks like until like summer league of the next year or like training camp in the preseason next year. And then we get a 25 game sample of that season. One, if he, if this is how this works out, that would be a really interesting kind of turn the page development moment for the Cavs at a time where like, look, they'll have, we'll see what happens with Sexton, but Garland's getting that max contract. Jared, you know, Jared Allen's making 20. You do have some money coming off of books at the end of this year, but it's at a very interesting point in sure. where this this version of the team is sort of at just in terms of where the money's coming off and then what money kicks in right like it's not like yeah. the money goes off the books and then you suddenly have money to spend it's like no you're replacing money with this other money so it's like yeah. how do you turn the so like kevin love two? comes off the books but Darius carlin's contract comes crashing yeah. right in to replace it and not saying that crashing in a bad way it's just like your payroll is now you're reallocating assets to a different player. Yeah. I mean, you'll be in year three of the Jared Allen contract at that point, like year two of a Colin Sexton contract. 
Like you'll have some, you'll be in a, like the financial spot will be interesting. And like, if you say, okay, we got, we, we, we're going to eject on Levert before we believe he's on the downside or we're paying him on his downside and we're going to invest in the young guy. That would be such an interesting choice of how to handle this that I kind of think it, I, it makes, you could talk me, you could talk me into that as like a, we're going to move this guy on and let it go. Just run it out and enter this other guy. Even if we don't necessarily think Branham in two years is, a hundred percent better than Levert. Mm-hmm. Like we're not sure he's absolutely going to be better. If he's seventy-five percent of what Levert is a year from now, right? Like if he's like like, but like is making like that rookie scale contract money versus whatever Levert extension it'd be. You could talk. You could talk me into that. You absolutely could. Yeah, no, you can talk me into it too. It's it's definitely interesting, and I don't think people can read Cleveland's hand necessarily if they take Malachi Brandon and say, like, oh, they're definitely trading Karis LeVert now, because let's say Karis LeVert balls out, you could probably, make, or not balls out, but, like, you feel comfortable enough signing him to, like, an extension to be, like, that backup 2-3. Like, either you have an overabundance of wealth with him and Brandon, and you really hope Brandon blushes as a shooter, or you have an interesting trade ship in Brandon as well, because you could maybe sell a team on his upside, who's also cost-controlled, and you could really move some chips into possibly maximize the potential of this roster even further yes uh the Cavs will are by the way are doing uh their draft works you will read stuff but they're doing all their due diligence they're doing their fucking jobs attending draft days and things so as as, this is my this is this is my psa that this is silly season everyone is lying and everyone's inflating the, is making things sound a little sometimes a little more important than they are. That's all I'm saying. Here's my PSA. Instead of reading too much into this stuff, go see Top Gun Maverick. Go be right. the Top Gun. Um, you you too be a Maverick and go see it. You can call yourself the Top Gun afterwards. Have you seen it, Evan? Shout out Glenn Powell. Um, shout out the football scene. It made me laugh so hard. When they told the- me what it was. <laughs> uh, as the as the homage to the oil, the volleyball scene from the from the original. Oh, it's a good homage, but then the rules they're playing with are so silly. We'll talk yeah. about it some other time. I don't want to spoil it. If you know, you know. But <laughs> go well, see it; I, it's great. Yeah, just um, go one of the most re- fun experiences I've had at a theater in yeah. a many many years because it's just a, it's a thrill. It's a roller coaster of a movie. That it going to be it for today's episode. Evan and I'll be back tomorrow. We've got another episode on the state of the Cavs. All right, that's everything on Malachi Branham, at least for now. Perhaps we'll talk about him again before the NBA draft sneaks up on us about a week from now. Check out, the by the way, the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft again, if you haven't already. If you want a great second listen today, check out the Lockdown NBA Big Board Show. Thanks for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. So go check out Lockdown NBA Big Board now. Plus, Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the must-read, dare I say, NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thuleen, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, the Mock Draft, their player kings, and, of course, their big boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Tomorrow's show, we're going to talk about Larry Marketing as a trade chip of sorts what kind of trades the Cavs could make this summer hope you guys come back for that enjoy be well